What's up, everybody? How's it going in internet wrestling community land and all over the world? It is me. It is me, the big old Stevie C, Steve Castellanova, bringing you another edition of the Heel and Face podcast, a podcast dedicated to news, information, and commentary on the world of professional wrestling, brought to you by Heel Turn Wrestling. Well, um, probably going to start off on a somber note. We do infrequently enough, and as the rest of the world mourns the loss of the bad guy, Scott Hall, a.k.a. Razor Ramon, the outsider, Starship Coyote, whatever you want to remember him by, uh, where there are endings, and many of us believe that, you know, physical death is only... uh, a stop on the way to another beginning, but where there are endings, there are also beginnings and some people are getting their big breaks. Other things are happening in the world of professional wrestling that you should know about. And of course, anything that you want to bring up, you could definitely comment below and we're going to talk about it in this edition of the heel and face podcast. So it is me. It is me, the big old Stevie C. Thank you for coming along however you're consuming this show whether you're live with me right now on the book of face or you're going to eventually join me on any of my other social media platforms that would be um it's greatly appreciated and and beloved uh even if you're listening to the audio version of this podcast while you're driving the kids to school or you are on your way home and stuck in traffic. Either way, I appreciate you listening to the show, however you're consuming it, and uh, your continued support is greatly loved and appreciated. But if you're here live with me, get in on the conversation. All you have to do is just go to the page, like it, share it, and do all the things on all the social medias, not just on Facebook, but on Minds, Locals, uh, everywhere else. Uh, you can see uh, the podcast anywhere else on social media you prefer to go. So please join me there. You can also follow me on Twitter. Uh, go, that's growing uh, daily, getting in contact with a lot of really good podcasts and some wrestlers on Twitter because the internet wrestling community lives forever, 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 forever. So uh, appreciate all the follows and all the things that you do to make the show fun and entertaining. And thank you for being here. So like I said, pretty somber note to start the show because the problem with doing a show that's kind of at the end of a normal or regular news cycle is that you might catch something before it happens or after it happens. And you're really not inside uh, the uh, story as it happens. And I know we talked a lot about him last week as a precaution because things weren't looking all that great, but it became official on, I believe Tuesday that, or no Monday, that Scott Hall indeed did pass away at the age of 63, it looks like. Didn't quite make it 
to 64. So the, uh, the, the accolades, the love for Scott Hall came fast and furious as soon as it broke. I, I do want to say something real quick. I understand that many of us, including myself, who did take a post down at some point, some people were being critical of those in the media or those on their dirt sheet or those on their Facebook page or whatever to have jumped the gun. Uh, there were uh, many reports that Scott Hall was still breathing on his own, even after being taken off of life support. And in our defense, I don't think we jumped the gun as much as a lot of people wanted to give Scott Hall his flowers while he was still there. And um, many of us also have faced in our lives a situation where a loved one was pulled off of life support and didn't last very much longer. So indeed, Scott Hall was surrounded by friends and family at the time of his death. And even though the reports where they took him off life support generally means that they are, in fact, going to pass via natural causes. But uh, those who are holding out hope for Scott Hall to fight for the last minute were very critical of those, including X-Pac, among others, who were very critical of uh, some people who were already posting on their media pages that Scott Hall did, in fact, pass away. So, um I'm not going to, I'm going to kind of apologize actually for jumping the gun myself, especially since I don't really claim to be a broadcast journalist and I don't have sources that I go to. So it isn't like I'm reporting like 100% news. Um, I get what I see. I look for the trusted sites that I know of and then I use my personal experience. Uh, maybe I messed up. And I would apologize for that in a general sense. But at the same time, too, I think we all wanted to make sure that we knew that uh, Scott was an important wrestler in our childhoods growing up. And I think that was sufficiently done. So what is there, again, to say that hasn't been said about uh, Scott Hall as we kind of went over uh, last week about all of the things that he had done in the wrestling business? Uh, I don't think it'd be overstated to uh, notice how cool he was, how he made wrestling cool in the 90s. And you had Steve Austin, yeah. You had The Undertaker turning into the biker taker and all that stuff, yeah. But nobody really tapped into the whole male machismo thing any more than Scott Hall did. And uh, there was some debate online as to whether or not he was probably the greatest professional wrestler to never win a world heavyweight championship. And that could probably be true. Uh, there's probably some guys uh, in the uh, 70s and 80s, uh, like Roddy Piper uh, could be in that list. Maybe possibly Goldust slash Dustin Rhodes is one of those guys who quite possibly could have been a wrestler who was one of the greatest of all times to never win a world title. But... Uh, you know, that's the way the ball bounces. That's the way the belt gets lost. That's the way the shoulders are pinned in the world of professional wrestling. So just want to say real quickly to goodbye to the bad guy. Thank you very much for 
what you've done as far as revolutionizing uh, professional wrestling with guaranteed contracts, with how talent and uh, promoters relate to each other. And let's not take away the fact that he was at rock bottom 10 years ago, that he was, um, if you go back to the ESPN 30 for 30 um, documentary, which was not, not great, but, I don't think that 30 for 30 should have been as heavy handed as it was towards him. So be that as it may, at least he got help. So also shout out to Diamond Dallas Page and Jake Roberts and anyone else who helped along with Scott Hall's recovery. We could have lost him about 10 years ago or so. And uh, we didn't thankfully, um, you know, just I just see him uh, getting taken advantage of by some uh, dirtbag uh, backyard indie promotion in Cal- Cal- where was it Cal- Carolina in Florida, wherever it was, uh, just to take advantage of him like that to see how far he had come in his recovery uh, to actually be able to spend another ten years or so with us to be able to get some of those, the recognition at WrestleMania to be finally part of an NWO angle and, you know, good for him. He was able to recover his career uh, before he finally passed away. So much love to Scott Hall. And uh, just as an aside, There's other people who are critical of this, but it also was reported that uh, Cody Hall, son of Scott Hall, who had taken some time off from pro wrestling, has announced that he is going to, in fact, resume his professional wrestling career. And I saw some people were being critical and saying, oh, well, he's only doing this because uh his his dad just died and he's taking advantage of being in the spotlight being in the press and um you're way too cynical than i want to even unpack for you i mean i'm pretty cynical at times but even then um you know just let it go maybe this was a wake up call maybe this was something to reinvigorate Cody Hall you know he had had that serious injury in Japan and that he never fully recovered from uh, for a, for a while. And, you know, it wasn't like he was, uh, lighting the world on fire. They said maybe possibly, uh, appearance with bullet club being uh, inducted into bullet club might've been in his future had he stayed in Japan, but who knows, you know, Cody Hall may, uh, reinvigorate his career and he may be able to do some things and kind of go on, you know, uh, maybe it's inspiring him to be better. Maybe his dad asked him, promised him to uh, live life to the fullest. And if that included becoming a professional wrestler again, maybe it included becoming a professional wrestler again. So um, the jury is still out on Cody Hall, whether or not he'll uh, elevate himself back into professional wrestling, the level that possibly his dad was or not. Who knows? But we shall see. So let's give him... 
some time to figure out his life. After all, he's only in his mid-20s, right? Like his early mid-20s. So um, he definitely got his break in professional wrestling before his, his dad even did. Uh, but uh, let's just give Cody Hall some slack and see where uh, his career goes from there. So speaking of youngsters, speaking of young people, let's go into the other um, uh, kind of topic, so to speak, about uh, young people. And I have a beef again with some of you, not all of you, in the internet wrestling community. So I know we're very protective of our favorites sometimes. And I know sometimes, uh, especially recently, including myself, I'm not going to exclude myself from present company. But sometimes we feel like the WWE doesn't really care about the future and doesn't really care about actual professional wrestlers. And they care more about what you look like, the look, the show. Uh, as Vince McMahon said on uh, the infamous uh, Pat McAfee show interview that anybody can wrestle poorly or good, poorly or well. It's what they do with it. So that, uh, in a lot of people's minds, solidified the fact that Vince McMahon is no longer in the professional wrestling business until he is. So there was a successful tryout in Las Vegas. I wonder if Disco Inferno was behind it or not, or maybe Gangrel was behind it or not, maybe running it. But here is the newest rookie class that has been signed by WWE. And... If you want to try to push the narrative that the WWE isn't hiring pro wrestlers anymore, well, you might want to take a look at this class because if you're watching along, if you can see in the picture, you'll notice a couple of indie darlings, including Roxy, who we've talked about before. Um... A local independent wrestler in Florida, uh, Tesha Price, who's now going as Fallon Henley in NXT, and uh, oh, the, oh, I'm sorry, um, the mother lover, Jake Tucker. So there are definitely some people now. Have they spent a whole ton of time in? Uh, the biz, so to speak, no, not that much. But if you see who they were trained with, you know, Roxy comes from uh, reality of wrestling, right? Uh, Booker T's uh, school. And not 100% sure who uh, Tesha Price, a.k.a. now Fallon Henley, trained with. But uh, I don't know if they're going to let him be the mother lover, Jake Tucker, or not. But he trained with people who were in the WWE, 
uh, Kane, uh, Tyson Kidd, Dr. Tom Pritchard, Natalia. He even looks a little bit like uh, Tyson Kidd. So you know those guys are are set to go. And and I really hope they call her Santina Morella Jr. Um, but Bianca Carelli, the daughter of Santino Morella, is also signed. So there's a bunch of... Oh, and uh, I forgot to mention Cole Carter, too, was signed as well. I don't know if they're going to let him be Cole Carter. Uh, they might actually let him wrestle under his name, Cole McKinney. Uh, so uh, a bunch of different talents from the world of professional wrestling, not just, you know, your random uh, gymnast or your uh, random uh, uh, you know, weightlifter, powerlifter, they're actually getting people who are a good mix, which is what every good company should get. If you want to have a successful company, you should have a little bit of diversity. You don't want every single person coming from one single background as a pro wrestler, even though as much as y'all, some of y'all would love, some of y'all would love a direct pipeline from, uh, Booker T and Shawn Michaels and Johnny Rods and the Monster Factory and all those places. But to be perfectly honest, you probably want a good mix of of people all from all walks of the professional wrestling world. So is Vince McMahon in the pro wrestling business? Probably not anymore, but he's got the elements of pro wrestling that he still throws a bone to every once in a while. Now, uh, speaking of indies, I don't want to say indie because there are real major promotions, but you know, the other major promotions are doing their thing out there. It's not just WWE in these streets. Of course, got a lot of up-and-comers coming around the professional wrestling world. And, of course, you have uh, old tried-and-true uh, veterans of the Squared Circle as well, which makes the NWA Crockett Cup so much fun and so worthwhile. And I just wanted to run a quick update with you before... I take a quick break, and let's just go through uh, night one. Night two, by the way, is happening right now as we speak. So uh, who knows? I might tweet out the the results, or uh, you know, I, I keep teasing that I'm going to have a special edition of three count, um, but I never do. So I don't want to make promises that I can't keep. That's not right, but. Um, just to roll through uh, the first night of the Crockett Cup, a couple of surprises. And as, uh, as President William Corgan was explaining in the pre-show, in the uh, selection uh, show for the Crockett Cup, that uh, it was a difficult decision to top, to see the top three because the top three ended, become, ended up becoming La Rebellion, the tag champ, so they earned that. Uh, the Briscoes at number two, and then the OGK at three. 
uh, update with that um, on NWA Power, I believe. That was the first match of the tournament, official match. You know, just like the NCAA, you know, they have play-in games. Well, they essentially had a couple of play-in games uh, for the Crockett Cup as well. And it turns out that the fixers, Jay Bradley and the other guy whose name escapes me, Nick Ligurski, uh, pulled off the upset of the OGK, Matt Taven and Matt Bennett. I'm not saying that I'm sad. Matt Taven doesn't really do anything, neither does Michael Bennett anymore. Um, but they lost in the first round, so the Fixers were the only team to advance before the other teams were uh, played in. So I, I think that was interesting how they dealt with that. Because on the pre-show, they had a kind of a uh, tag team turmoil with four teams, really, at least one of these teams should have had the bid in. Maybe at 32, you know, maybe at the last Crockett Cup slot. But uh, the Tate twins I'm talking about, uh, Brandon and Brent, formerly known as the boys, uh, took on Violence Forever, Dominic Orini and Kevin Koo who laid some pretty stiff stuff in versus the rip city shooters, uh, guys named Joshua Bishop and Wes Barkley, who they're nice. They just, they're just green. The big dude, Joshua B Bishop, uh, he kind of looks like a, you know, a young, a young Isaac Yankum and kind of wrestles like a young Isaac Yankum <laughs> looks like a, a, a Unabom to me. So uh, we'll see. Hopefully he'll be getting better. He has some staying power if he can uh, get some more work in. And then the Heat Seekers, who um, who fizzled out faster than a uh, Russian ballistic missile. Uh, Elliot Russell and Sigmund. Uh, I guess they have been teaming for a while. Uh, Elliot Russell, sorry, I hope he's not listening. Uh, his punches and kicks looked like trash. And he had a, a leg drop that um, completely missed uh, his opponent. I forget who it was. It might have been Dominic Gorini or Kevin Koo. Uh, the leg drop missed completely, and the foot landed before uh, the leg did, and which made it obvious that he didn't hit him at all. And honestly, it looked like. He you know, just fell on his butt. So that was not very good. But in the end, um, kind of a sloppy tag match in the middle in order to qualify for the Crockett Cup. But in the end, the Tate Twins won, which they should have been in there anyway. I don't even know why, I, I guess, um, you know, to have a pre-show. Um, and not to be outdone, the next match in the Crockett tournament was on the pre-show. So imagine this. It was the Briscoe brothers versus the now Hale Collins and Vic Delicious, uh, who, by the way, throws a pretty mean dropkick for looking like, uh, you know, Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker, just like a thick dude. He looks a lot like Tim Story. Um, imagine Tim. And I'm sure he can. I'm not hating on uh, Tim Story, the great Tim Story, but uh, the principal. But uh, he he. You know, it doesn't look like he threw a, a great drop kick, but this guy did. So look for the now. Even though they took the L on against the Briscoes, 
uh, look for them to be uh, major players in the indie scene as far as tag teams go. Um, other, so we're getting to the actual show, the actual Crockett Cup. Uh, the end, Odinson and Paro uh, uh, versus uh, the Hawks Iree, Luke Hawk and PJ Hawks. Uh, the Hawks Iree advancing via pinfall. Interesting. Uh, there was there is some tension between Paro and Odinson. Look for them to be uh, uh, breaking up sometime soon due to differences, which is a shame because they're a pretty good tag team together. Um, next match is uh, was Mims and the Pope versus the Cardonas. Uh, Mike Knox and uh, VSK. Winners are the Cardonas. After VSK hits Mims with the Frog Splash. So there you go. Um, next match. Uh, apparently there was a last minute substitution for Kratos. I don't know why he didn't make it. Uh, Stevens cuts a heel promo on the Nashville crowd, introduces the Blue Meanie of all people as his partner. So it was Aaron Stevens and the Blue Meanie versus the Dirty Sexy Boys, uh, Dirty Dango and JTG, uh, who were really weird a couple of weeks ago when I reviewed NWA Power. Um, and of course, whenever you bring a guy in, because another guy's not there. And even if he was there, I don't think they would have won. But it's the the DB the DSB, the Dirty Sexy Boys with the victory. Another match, strictly a business, Adonis and Latimer versus Gold Rush, Jordan Clearwater and Marche Rocket. Um I think the uh the window is closing on uh, Marche Rocket being a thing. But Maybe this is a good sign because they advanced over Strictly Business uh, with some interference. Um, uh, Clearwater, uh, well, Tyrus caused a distraction. Then he, behind the refs back, obviously, threw the NWA television championship into the ring for Clearwater to use on Latimer for the one, two, three. Another surprise, because uh, Nick Aldis obviously has a commitment to fight in the triple threat later on. Uh, he couldn't be in the tournament, so Doug Williams got someone probably just as good, if not better, in some cases, than uh, Nick Aldis for this situation. He found Harry Smith, that's right, Davey, David Hart Smith. Uh, Davy Boy Jr., whatever you want to call him, Harry Smith as his tag partner to take on the ill-begotten Alex Taylor and Rush Freeman. And that was a good choice because Doug Williams and Harry Smith advanced to the next round. Then, of course, I mean, I don't know if, if it bears even mentioning, but the number one seed, La Rebellion, Bestia 666, and Mecha Wolf took on the Tate Twins, and it really... Uh, 
Uh, there was a lot more offense than apparently uh, I would have even expected, but in the end, La Rebellion won, so they advanced. And then, of course, the next round, the Fixers, Jay Bradley and Ligurski versus the Cardonas, which, for all intents and purposes, was a complete banger. Hosses, big dudes, slapping meat, as you guys used to like, like to say. Um, but VSK hits another frog splash this, uh, this time on, uh, the, on, uh, I believe it was, uh, Lugerski for the win. So Cardona's advance. Briscoe's next versus the dirty, sexy boys. Again, this is probably chalk. The Briscoe's won by pinfall. Hawks Irie versus La Rebellion in the uh, quarterfinal handicap match. So PJ Hawk had to fight on his own because his father Luke suffered a concussion earlier in the night, which is unfortunate. And I get it. The young man does not want to give up his shot at immortality. So God bless him. But in the end, the number one seed La Rebellion wins. Uh, next. Then it's, uh, of course, uh, Doug Williams and Harry Smith versus Gold Rush. And Doug Williams locks in an arm bar on Clearwater. Clearwater taps out. So advancing to the next round are Doug Williams and Harry Smith. So that's really interesting. That's kind of cool. It's going to be Doug Williams and Harry Smith versus in La Rebellion and the Briscoes, which everybody thought. And the Cardonas, I guess that's what it's going to look like. So the Cardonas have upset on their minds as they're part of the final four of the Crockett Cup. So whatever's happening is going on. They're going to have the Crockett Cup right now as we speak. Plus, I believe there's a three-way between... Uh, Camille, Chelsea Green, and uh, Kaylee Ray, or Kylie Ray. And there's also, I believe, a triple threat for the NWA Championship with uh, Matt Cardona, uh, Nick Aldis, and I believe it's Trevor Murdoch. I need to double-check that. I don't want to give you wrong information in case you are interested in tuning in, which I might be after this show. So, all right, well... We kind of ran through all that, and I'm going to, you know, take the obligatory break to catch my breath and grab a little drinky poo or two. And when I come back, we will talk more wrestling. We'll see if you guys have anything to say on the Heel and Face page. And we, I'll give you my MLW update, and I will also update you on... Uh, who might be set to appear for Azteca Underground's show April 1st at Gillies. So you are watching or listening to the Heel and Face podcast brought to you by Heel Turn Wrestling. Be back in a couple of seconds. Thanks. Bye. All right. Hey. Oops. All right. Hey, thanks for hanging with me through the break. It's me, it's me, the big old Stevie C, Steve Castellanovo, with the Heel and Face podcast, a podcast dedicated to news, information, and commentary 
about the world of professional wrestling brought to you by Heel Turn Wrestling. Where is it? There we go. Uh, I was doing a little bit of uh, Jeff Goldblum there. I hope you were entertained by that. Doing little things with the fingers. And there I am. So, uh, sorry. Ooh, got a crick in my neck. Uh, but I'm here talking with you for a little while longer on everything that has to do with the world of professional wrestling. So let's get to it. Um, but before we go, just want to see if there's any comments or anything. You're more than welcome to uh, comment on any part of the show, including the heel and face page, which I check more uh, than the heel turn wrestling check. I will um, comment on both if I've got time. But I want to, of course, remind you that you can check me out on all of your favorite social media, podcast, streaming services, or you can check me out on any one of my particular uh, platforms. Either way, get a hold of the show and you will be up to date. Uh, I try to post more on a lot of the other ones as well, just to be able to uh, give you access that you need to uh, this show and anything you have to say about the show. So please follow me anywhere on my social media or listen to this podcast on your favorite audio podcast streaming service. And you know what? I mean, while you're there, because I know that you know that you love t-shirts. Who doesn't? I'm rocking the Browns t-shirt right now to rep my Browns, even though I'm not happy with some of their choices right now. I guess it's kind of a sickness to where I, I just have to worship them. But if you also feel inclined, then maybe you should try to go to Pro Wrestling Tees and look for our store at Heel Turn Wrestling. And that way you can interact with the show by repping it, especially when I brought my uh, Heel and Face podcast shirt to a recent uh, Ohio Wrestling Alliance show and uh, got singled out for it by the uh, wrestlers, which I guess I'm an easy mark, but I learned my lesson and I won't be doing that anymore. Uh, but I will be wearing my other gear around town, including the beautiful Heel Turn Wrestling logo t-shirt or Billy Alexander's t-shirt. You can take a look at him at his show uh, whenever he decides to grace the world with his presence on video or if he's not uploading the uh, awesome matches from uh, Pinfall Wrestling or anything like that. Uh, you can take a look at Alcoholic Adam's shirt along with his blog and all the dank memes that he creates. But of course, if you want to be uh, the most fly wrestling fan you know, you can buy a Heel and Face Podcast t-shirt as well. So you do you, fam, a podcast to order a t-shirt and do it today, 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 today. All right. Well, uh, the one final uh, place that I told you that I would update, I would update you on MLW. Of course, they are ramping up toward their big 
pay-per-views. Well, not only, I mean, they've, they're ramping up because the whole wrestling world, honestly, is ramping up to uh, the uh, the biggest cottage, cottage industry in professional wrestling, uh, WrestleMania weekend. So we're all gearing up for that, and everybody has their show, and the Dallas-Fort Worth area will be inundated by large, sweaty men and women uh, smacking each other around. And why not? Um, so I took a look at Fusion on the way to catch up with MLW and what's going on. And it's been kind of nuts since the last time I saw an episode. So I'm just going to review Fusion very quickly to catch you guys up on what's going on in MLW and hopefully, uh, you know, uh, uh, just keep continuing to follow the promotion that is quietly, again, bringing you some of the best pro wrestling content uh, in general. Speaking of the newly minted Performance Center rookie, Roxy, she most likely had her final indie wrestling match in MLW, at least for now anyway, uh, against Miranda Gordy, um, which it was a pretty good match. About two-thirds of the way, like the, the, the section of the match leading up to the finish was kind of sloppy and uh, people, you know, they missed some things. But uh, the beginning was good. It was, you know, what you would expect. Uh, Miranda Gordy, uh, her, the self-proclaimed uh, power weight as she cut in the promo after the match. She's not a featherweight. She's a power weight. And uh, maybe this is, you know, more big things. Maybe this is uh, more uh, good things to come from Miranda Gordy in MLW because there aren't a shortage of capable women who could wrestle her uh, probably in for some future MLW championship match even. Um, you know, she wrestled like a big woman. She wrestled like a hoss against Roxy. Roxy uh, used her style and agility uh, to outmaneuver Gordy at times, but uh, Gordy wasn't falling for it. In the end, she beat her with uh, what she calls the Bam Bam Slam, which is an elevated uh, uh, powerbomb, sit-out powerbomb. So it's kind of like the last ride. It's kind of like the Razor's Edge almost, as high as she gets her opponent up there, and basically she just drives him down and beat Roxy one, two, three, sending Roxy to the WWE. Also on the show, we got a, an update on the conditions of Alexander Hammerstone, which uh, I'll tell you in a minute, but we also got some uh, injury updates from others as well. The... 5150 apparently last last uh, show showed out. They basically attacked everybody. They put the beat down on uh, the oh shoot Von Eriks. I'm sorry, my mind kind of wandered there for a second on Marshall and Ross. Uh, Marshall 
has a torn I tal talus in his uh, ankle, and he should be out for only three or four weeks. But uh, Ross uh, suffered a concussion. It was a level one. He's fine. He went through concussion protocol. He's fine. But 5150 really starting some stuff in MLW because not only did they attack Devon Eriks, but they also attacked the judge, Ed Juca, which I don't know why you would want to mess with him, seeing as though he's an up-and-comer uh, in the world of professional wrestling and he's not to be messed with. What is he, like 6'8", uh, 320 pounds? So, like, yeah, why are we messing with him? But I guess that's what we do when we 5150 in these streets. So, uh, injury update to uh, the judge. Uh, he is fine. Uh, he did uh, suffer a beatdown, uh, just minor bumps and bruises that you get from getting jumped from behind by uh, to uh, uh, a very uh, voracious tag team. So there we go. With that, uh, also, uh, who else is on the injury? Oh, uh, so with let's just say it now then so I don't have to repeat myself. Alexander Hammerstone was attacked brutally by Richard Holiday, who apparently had been using all of the other factions like Contra and 5150 and whomever else to his advantage for him to be able to weasel his way into uh, Alexander Hammerstone and flim flam him uh, without him even knowing it. Hammerstone brutally attacked, I'm sorry, um, Holiday brutally attacked Hammerstone after Alicia Atute sprayed pepper spray in Hammerstone's eye, causing him to be blinded, and Holiday proceeded to bust the MLW World Heavyweight Champion wide open, so... He did not fully disclose his medical information to matchmaker Cesar Duran, which I'll talk about in a little bit. That is a very sketchy situation that we definitely need to keep an eye on. Uh, the main event, because there was a lot going on this hour, and they only had really time for two matches, but the main event was TJP versus... Uh, Court Bauer's open challenge opponent for this week, Buddy Matthews. So TJP, uh, full promo mode, full heel mode, uh, basically said that he thought that the open challenge laid out by MLW is a stupid idea because uh, anybody who doesn't deserve shots at things just can come in and take one. But he's going to be okay because he's the TJP. Uh, he is the um, cruiser great, so to speak. He said it doesn't matter if he's in the cruiserweight division, light heavyweight division, junior division, whatever. He said that he'll he's the best at any of it. So he took on Buddy Matthews, who gave a game match. Um, offhand, did they ever meet in NXT or on... Uh, on uh, 205 Live. I'm sure they did. I'm almost guessing that they did. Uh, 
So I'm sure they're familiar with each other before. Uh, Buddy Matthews apparently tweaked his left knee and TJP uh, pounced on that mercilessly. I don't, I personally don't get the move where the baby face kind of fakes an injury so that the heel, because the heel is going to win anyway. Buddy, Buddy, it's not like Buddy Matthews is going to get offered a contract and be a player in the, uh, in the the in the middleweight division, so it's not like they're you know making this a long term thing. Uh, probably they just needed somebody who was used to wrestling TJP who wasn't signed by MLW, and I think Buddy Matthews is also clicked up with Control Your Narrative as well. So he's in the House of Black or whatever on AW. He's kind of in the control your narrative thing he's been invited to wrestle i think he's going to wrestle at control your narrative and now he's showing up on mlw which would be actually a really good place for him to be i think so i don't know if this was necessarily a, a match more like a tryout or a, a feel out session to see what buddy matthews could bring to the table but at some point when he tried to do a kip over on uh tjp he tweaked his left knee i don't understand why you book that i don't understand why you make that a spot because if you know that the the babyface isn't going to win and that uh he's not going to be in the long-term plans of nlw like to to it, it should have been tjp going full heel and just attacking the knee instead of the happenstance of oh my knee got tweaked while i was doing a move I know I'm probably nitpicking here, and you're probably wondering, well, what are you just worried about? That? It just, to me, it doesn't make sense in the sense that the heel could have gone after the knee anyway. The heel didn't need the additional uh, help of the narrative of the knee is bad or the knee got tweaked. I don't know. I mean, if, if it were... If it were babyface versus babyface or tweener versus tweener and the knee got tweaked, maybe that could be a thing because then you could build that into the storyline, build that into an angle, do something with that. But now it just looks like, well, pretty much TJP was given an out to win. There was no way that Matthews was going to win because his knee was already messed with. So I don't really... Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't get it. It just didn't. It just those spots never make sense to me. So why even try? I guess there's a reason to do it, but be that as it may, that's what the end of uh, that match was. And TJP won. So there you go. Um. Now, the reason why I've been teasing what happened to uh, Alexander Hammerstone and his injury and Cesar Duran's response to it is because it has major ramifications for the rest of, uh, of how MLW is going to go from here on. So much like I'm sure Bill Belichick under-reporting a 
injury to the league, not wanting to show his cards. I don't know if it's just one uh, one upsmanship, or I don't know if Hammerstone is just so disgusted by Cesar Duran that he just doesn't want to deal with him. But uh, Alexander Hammerstone did not fully disclose the extent of his injuries or the extent of the doctor's report to him. Cesar Duran and MLW Brass. So at the end of the show, Cesar Duran was forced to, he said he had no choice, as he's evilly cackling into the lens, by the way. He had no choice but to demand that if Hammer doesn't make the next MLW Fusion show, that he will vacate the MLW Championship. So please, Hammer... There's been enough drama with this belt, having interim belts and combining the two and somebody, and you were the open open weight champion uh, before you could get this. With all of the drama that's actually surrounded the belt itself, the last thing we need is to have it vacated. Now, if there's going something going on in real life or whatever, if there's something that, that's happening that, you know, that I haven't heard about that's that's like, real and not kayfabe then then maybe i'll 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 see to that um i'll i'll look for that that actually might make more sense who knows maybe hammerstone has a tryout during wrestlemania weekend in dallas uh which wwe is actually sponsoring a tryout that weekend so maybe they will vacate the belt so hammerstone can uh can try out who knows who knows um, I, I just don't want to see any more. I want to have, see a little bit of consistency with the belt for a while, okay? So, Hammer, if you're out there listening, be well, stay sharp. Don't uh, don't alienate yourself any further from Duran. Admit what your what the extent of your injuries are, and just if something happens, you know you could overcome it. All right, that's what's going on. And oh, and uh, while we're on the subject. Uh, we could also quickly brief then both uh, of uh, the uh, WrestleMania weekend, the show that MLW is going to put on. And we can also, uh, you know, talk about uh, who might be there. So, uh, shoot, come on, close. All right, so, so far, the lineup for MLW uh, Azteca Dallas looks like this. It looks like that their tapings there are going to be a pretty good show. So let me just run down the card so far. Main event is going to be <laughs> La Parc versus Jacob Fatu in an Azteca Apocalypto match, whatever that is. That sounds absolutely nuts. Uh, you've got, uh, so far, they haven't announced, so we'll update you. Uh, Mini Abismo, Ares, and a partner versus El Dragon, Microman, and Aerostar. So uh, El Dragon and Aerostar brothers teaming up and teaming with Arguably the hottest professional wrestler on the planet right now, Microman. Um, 
here's what's interesting. Uh, Octagon Jr. versus Matt Cross is set up for Dallas. Holly Dead versus Cheek Tormenta. Uh, so that might be interesting also to appear on the card, as we said. Heavyweight champion Alex Hammerstone. Uh, the tag champs 5150, who were very busy. Um, look forward to a tag match between 5150 and the Von Eriks. Uh, Davey Richards, uh, Enzo, possibly even uh, Kaz XL. Who knows? Uh, that uh, young goat, that hot fire Myron Reed will be there, the middleweight champion. Of course, you know Richard Holiday, Alicia Toot will be there, L.A. Park Jr., Hio de L.A. Park, so both of them will be there. Uh, Puma King, Mods Kruger, probably going to interfere in the Apocalypto match, I'm sure. Aramis, ACH, uh, Alex Kane will be there along with the Bombayé Fight Club. Savio Vega will be there. The Judge, Edge Njuka, Calvin Tankman, and Gino Medina, who viciously attacked Aramis. Uh, also, and so there was another medical update that I forgot about, but uh, Aramis, we don't know, but we do know that um, that Gino Medina's hands were stained with Aramis's blood, and we will probably get an update next week on Aramis's condition and whether or not he will be able to wrestle at Azteca Underground Dallas. So looks like it's going to be an early showtime at 2 o'clock. Uh, putting all this stuff together so you can go check out all the other shows that are going on that Friday and possibly make it to the uh, the uh, Hall of Fame ceremony. I think if they're having it on Friday, they usually do. Uh, so that is what to look forward to as far as MLW. And that is coming, by the way, very quickly. I, 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 I always shudder to think about it, but a lot of this stuff is two weeks away. Um what two two or three weeks from now will be the night two of WrestleMania? Can you believe it? So we've got the twenty seventh, and then let's see. Let's take a look at the magic calendar. So we got the twenty seventh, and then yeah, it's the third. Uh, it would be the second and third. So we're two weeks away from WrestleMania thirty eight, the most stupendous WrestleMania of all time. I don't know if the Sheik is going to be able to make it, uh, even though uh, Bobby Heenan predicted that he might. Um, I may just take a look back this week if I have some time at WrestleMania 17, you know, arguably the halfway mark between now and or uh, and back then. Uh, it's one of the favorite WrestleManias probably – most people's top five, if not number one, WrestleMania of all time. So I might go back and check that out just to occupy my time. So, okay, there it is. There you have it. You're caught up now with MLW, with NWA, and with a lot of the other news going on in the world of professional wrestling. There's going to be a lot of great wrestling coming up in the next two weeks, and you want to be in tune. So I encourage you, as always, Get out there. Support local independent wrestling. Go to a show. It's a lot of fun. If you're mad at the product that WWE or AEW or any of the other minor major promotions put together, then put your money where your mouth is and go support somebody who's young and hungry and wants to make it in the business. Go to a 
professional wrestling independent wrestling show please find one uh you can swing a cat in central Ohio and hit a wrestling promoter so there's no excuse from where i am from but wherever you are please check some independent wrestling out hashtag support indie wrestling well that's it for me the big old stevie c steve castellanovo checking out for now thank you for listening and watching Wherever you are, the Heel and Face podcast, podcast dedicated to news information and commentary about the world of professional wrestling brought to you by Heel Turn Wrestling. Thanks for joining me today. I appreciate it. Don't forget to like and share the show. Don't forget to tell your friends about it. Don't forget to hit me up on all my social medias. And don't forget to also like and share the show on your favorite audio podcast streaming platform that's it for me stevie c i'm out enjoy your week and as always peace